It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. We're excited to have uh, a true, truly fast gentleman on the show, Indy race car driver, Charlie Kimball is our guest. Charlie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You are an ambassador for the JDRF, uh, supporting research for diabetes. Uh, tell us about your work with the JDRF. Well, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes back in 2007 uh, at the age of 22, which is a little uncommon for type 1 diabetes, but through my partnership with Novo Nordisk and the Race with Insulin program on the racetrack, I've been able to raise awareness about diabetes and connecting with groups like the JDRF and, and other nonprofits to support research for the diabetes community is a great way to give back. They do so much for that diabetes community, for the kids out there that are, are struggling with diabetes or families that are unsure of the challenges they face when they get diagnosed. Uh, being able to work with the JDRF and other groups really raises that awareness and empowers that community to continue to overcome that challenge, live their dream like I do in an IndyCar, and also give back to the community that has supported them. You mentioned you were diagnosed at age 22. Um, what is the normal, you said it was late uh, for a diagnosis. What's the normal age to be diagnosed? Well, from what my endocrinologist has, has told me, about half, half of her new diagnosis with type 1 are under the age of 18. Um, the JDRF, while their campaign tagline now is turning type 1 into type none, it used to be the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation uh, because the concept was type 1 was diagnosed as a kid. Um, my doctor says half of her diagnosis are children, half are adults. So it's the, the disease state is evolving. Um, and it's something that as, as a kid, when you get diagnosed, you don't think you can do all these things. Um, and myself and other ambassadors are living proof that diabetes doesn't have to slow you down. You can still live your dreams. For me, that was driving an IndyCar at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the Indianapolis 500, the first licensed driver with diabetes to ever compete in the Indy 500. Uh, but if it's climbing a mountain, being a an NFL Super Bowl champion. I know a two-time Super Bowl champion who has type one like I do. Uh, whatever that may be, with the right tools, the right management, the right healthcare team, there's nothing you can't do in life. Who's that Super Bowl champ you mentioned? That would be Kendall Simmons, a two-time Pittsburgh Steelers Super Bowl champion. Um, you know, with me being a Californian Hoosier and, and living in Indianapolis now, I uh, I try not to mention that he finished his career at the the New England Patriots, yeah. but uh, he definitely won a Super Bowl with the the Steelers. And um, but I've met CEOs. I met a gentleman who's had type one diabetes for over fifty years, and at the age of sixty five was getting ready to run his first marathon. Mm. So there are incredible people doing amazing things with diabetes all over the world. Two years before you were diagnosed at age twenty versus two years after at age 24. What, what's the difference in your daily you know, schedule? Well, I don't know that much changed as an athlete. I was always conscious of my nutrition, but now I pay even more attention to my body. Um, every day, every moment, I'm thinking about the effect on my blood sugar. If I'm training, if I'm in the gym and, and working out, if I'm traveling, 
making sure that, that I'm packing my insulin and, and my insulin delivery devices, making sure that I'm managing my nutrition and balancing that with insulin. Um, if, if I'm struggling with my blood sugars and I'm not feeling quite right, maybe I'm getting sick and so I go to the doctor sooner. I actually think I'm a better athlete because of my diabetes rather than despite it. Charlie Kimball is our guest, IndyCar driver. So when you're on the race course, 200 mile an hour plus, um, you just mentioned you're a better race car driver because of it, because you're always watching your nutrition, your health. Um, middle of the race, is it something top of your mind? Um, oh, I better at the next break, check my sugar levels or at the next pit stop, not break. Let's get official here. At the next pit stop, I got to check my sugar levels. Do you, do you do that during the race or is it for those few hours you can just race? Well, my IndyCar is different than everyone else's because my body's different. I wear a continuous glucose monitor on my body and it transmits to a display. And that display plugs into my car's electronic system. So on my electronic dash, on my steering wheel, I have speed, lap time, oil pressure, blood sugar, water temperature, gear, my car and my body data right there together. No kidding. So I'm able to keep track of my blood sugar during the course of the race. And, and most IndyCar drivers have a drink bottle in the car to stay hydrated or try and help stay hydrated during the course of up to a three, three and a half hour event. I actually, again, a little different because my body's a little different, have two drink bottles, one of water for hydration and a second one with orange juice with extra sugar in it. Those two bottles come together at a valve that my dad, who's a mechanical engineer, designed. We got 3D printed, mounts on my seatbelt, and a tube runs right into my helmet. So depending on what my body needs, I can use that essentially long straw use that valve to flip between water and orange juice to keep going. That is fascinating. What, what is the number or the digital printout on your steering wheel that connects to the sugar level? Well, I aim for a blood sugar level that we've worked out with my healthcare team over the last 10 years now since my diagnosis that's the most effective for me. It's a combination of making sure that I'm not too high so I stay competitive and with higher blood sugar, your thought process slows down, your reaction time slows down too low and and it could be really dangerous for not just myself but the other drivers on track so if you'll pardon the pun here i really aim for the middle of the road there and try and stay in that range and and make sure that i'm stable because if it's stable it's one more sensor i don't yeah. check the the oil pressure every lap yeah. but i just make sure it's running right and and during the course of the race i just check and make sure my blood sugar is running right and i'm good to go is it a digital number a, a digit like a hundred it, it is it is a number um and in my case it's it's the same number numbers that i would correlate to a traditional finger stick so if i check my blood sugar and it gives me a number of 145 on the the dash it will give me that same number according to my, my glucose monitor. Is it a different color so you don't look down and go, oh my gosh, I'm only going 145 miles an hour? <laughs> no, it's in a different <laughs> spot and, and there's so much information on my dash. I think that's what make ra makes racing drivers different, uh, good racing drivers different from not as good racing drivers. The ability to filter out really important information. Because when you're going 225 miles an hour, you go a football field every second. So 100 yards every second. So you have to be looking a long ways ahead, thinking even further ahead. So processing that information, taking that data in and ignoring what's extraneous and focusing on what's important mm -hmm. is something that I think racing drivers are developed to do really well. Quick race question on that digital readout. Is there miles per hour or is it just RPMs? No, there's miles per hour. And uh, I tell you, at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, heading into turn one, when you see 238, 240 miles an hour, you, you definitely sit up and pay a, pay a little bit more attention as you're trying to turn in flat. 
Charlie Kimball is our guest, uh, type 1 diabetes, and he's uh, an ambassador for the JDRF. Uh, you mentioned uh, awareness and how important it is to uh, be an ambassador for this great cause. Tell us uh, a few success stories of some of the families or fans you've met that some young kids that might have been just diagnosed with diabetes and they find out you have it and how inspiring that is for them and for you. Well, one of my favorite stories is a young boy named Luke. He's from uh, out in California and I met him at, or I met his dad at our race in Long Beach and he'd come through the autograph line and I signed a card for him and and then later in the year, he came up to another race in California and it was just his dad and he handed me this little league baseball card. And of course, the Luke was in a Dodgers uniform and I'm a Dodgers fan. And he said, hey, my son Luke was diagnosed in October of last year. So when he met you in April at Long Beach, he'd been diagnosed about six months ago. And he said, I don't know that I wanna play little league this year, or I, I'm, I know I'm old enough, but I don't think I can, I have diabetes now. And, and for us as parents, it was new. We didn't wanna push it. He said, after we drove home from that race in Long Beach, he said, well, if Charlie can drive race cars, I could probably play little league. Now, if he becomes a Cy Young Award winner or plays Little League for a couple of months and makes a friend or two, it's irrelevant. The fact that he thought he could because of what I do on the racetrack is very special. It's a great story. Uh, and we thank you so much for uh, all of your hard work on and off the track. He's Charlie Kimball. Uh, look for him online with uh, your website or Facebook page or anything you want to promote. Yeah, it's uh, my website's charliekimball.com. If you want to keep up to speed with me on Twitter, you can follow me at Race With Insulin as well. Thank you, Charlie, for the time. Thanks for having me. Get socially technical with The Adam Ritz Show. Facebook, Adam Ritz Show. Twitter, at Adam Ritz. It's social, technical. And I thank you so much for checking out the show and supporting the platforms and initiatives that The Adam Ritz Show is behind. Learn more about the events you can support and the charities they benefit at adamritzshow.com. We are underwritten by Vibonomics. V-I-B-E-Nomics, that's Vibonomics.com, a marketing company dedicated to making a difference in the world. And we thank them for their help and their support underwriting The Adam Ritz Show. We're pleased to be in the Atlanta area on the campus of Emory University with um, an administrator. His name is Marlon Gibson. Hi, Marlon. How are you? Thanks for joining us. Yes, I'm well. And you? I'm fantastic. And Marlon, uh, you are in the student division or student affairs. You're the dean of students. What is your title? I'm sorry for butchering it. No, I, I someday hope to be a dean. Uh, I'm the assistant dean for campus life, director of sorority and fraternity life here at Emory University. Okay. And we love getting your perspective as a campus administrator on uh, some topics we cover on the show, including student leadership, uh, charities, benefits, philanthropies. We know Greek life, the fraternities, sororities. They do a ton yes. on campus to help out uh, their communities and nationally with, with organizations like the Muscular mm -hmm. Dystrophy Association, yes. uh, Breast Cancer Awareness, stuff like that. What can you tell us uh, what your students do here at Emory to, uh, first of all, help out the Atlanta area, uh, and then what maybe sometimes uh, the kids do to help out larger national organizations? So one of the things is we're striving to take 15, 18 students to Jamaica to actually take it a little bit further wow. to help folks. Yeah, for spring break this year. Our Sigma Chi's do a great job of working with Ronald McDonald House, and so do our women of Alpha Delta Pi. Our ZBTs are planning a philanthropy for the entire Greek community for um, 
It's called Bikeathon. And hopefully it will become an actual philanthropic event for the entire community, uh, something that we hope will become a tradition here at Emory. And that actually raises money for the B Plus Foundation. And so that's a really neat initiative that we have going on. And then, of course, we also support our local Boys and Girls Clubs as well. Uh, and then any other things that we can help out with in the Atlanta area. And so our community continues to evolve and continues to help support Atlanta. That's a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what is the, uh, the, jumped out at me, the B-plus foundation. What's the B-plus? Because I always wanted to have a B-plus. I never got one. Uh, I was part of the C-plus foundation. Yes, but uh, yes, what was the yes. B-plus foundation? Yeah, so the B-plus foundation actually raises money for children that um, are fighting with cystic fibrosis. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. and so it's a really neat opportunity. And actually, uh, your own fraternity, SIGUP, introduced B-plus to our community last year. And so they brought a national representative from the B-plus Foundation to talk to our community. And one of the men learned more about it and has decided to make it a community philanthropic event. Okay, yeah. so a national organization, B-plus Foundation, to help cystic fibrosis. Our listeners can look it up on, online if you yeah. just Google the B-plus Foundation. Mm -hmm. um, Marlon, and donate, and donate <laughs> yes, help out online. They want your money. Yes. Uh, Marlon Gibson is our guest, uh, administrator here at Emory University. And the other thing you said that really piqued my interest is the spring break trip to Jamaica. Yeah. It's a service trip. It is. And I got it. You know, a lot of our listeners, we're all middle-aged. We think about our spring break, and it was just, you know, Fort Lauderdale and a yeah. bunch of dummies uh, acting the fool, playing the fool on the beach with a, with a can in your hand. Now, kids today are very socially responsible, and there are actual trips during spring break planned, mission trips, yeah. to take that week. Mm -hmm. You still get some nice weather. Of course, it's, yeah. There's a beach probably nearby, yeah, but yeah. you're doing good works. What are you guys going to be doing in Jamaica? So actually, it's through Delta Upsilon. And so Kay Shindell is the director of the Global Initiatives. And Kay spends a lot of time in Jamaica and built relationships uh, with families there. So it really depends. We could be rebuilding a school. We could be rebuilding houses. Uh, but Kay has built relationships to where when we get there, it's all laid out for us. Uh, even our buses, all of our transportation, our lodging, and even down to our meals. We have a chef that will have all the meals prepared for the students that week. And so they don't actually have to go in restaurants and worry about trying to fit 15 people in the smaller restaurant. It's an amazing initiative that DU is doing. And so we're one of the few schools. I know that she also works with Iowa State University as well as UConn. Uh, and of course with DU and our Association of Fraternity and Sorority Advisors. Uh, Kay actually has led some initiatives through them. And so this is our first year for it. We're excited, and we're hoping that it'll really be a hit with our community. And that's through Delta Upsilon, but who is Kay? You kept uh, yeah. saying Kay. Kay Shindell. So Kay is the director of global initiatives, and she works for Delta Upsilon. Okay. Uh, and so Kay is a friend and a colleague, and she's also the national president of Tri Sigma. Okay. Yes. And it's the first time you've done this. Have you done anything like this prior, close to this, some sort of mission trip during a vacation? Uh, I have, yes, yeah. uh, as a student. Yeah, okay. I went to the Bahamas. Yeah, I did a habitat trip. Well, that was rough. Yeah, it was really, really, really <laughs> rough. But somebody had to do it, right? Yes. And so, yeah. Um, but the thing there was when we got there, we had to learn where we were staying. We actually brought our sleeping bags. We slept on floors. Kay doesn't have that experience for us. We're not going to be staying at the Ritz-Carlton. Uh, but we will be staying uh, at similar to like a camping experience where you won't be on the floor. Yeah. Uh, but she'll be in like a cabin type experience. Uh, and so this is what we're going to do. And I know you probably, I'm asking you too many questions here because it's the first time you've done it with, with Delta Upsilon and uh, Jamaica. Mm -hmm. um, but do you know what the itinerary is as far as how many hours per day is there going to be work 
versus yeah. uh, free time? Is the free time unsupervised? I mean, is this kind of a, sp a normal spring break, but just a couple of hours a day, you got to do something good too? No, you're actually working every day from eight until four. Woo! Yeah, it's pretty serious. And there's actually a curriculum, so you have conversations after dinner about what you did and what you're, what you're gaining from that experience and how you're leaving an impact on that community. That is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I got to believe is, uh, you know, from my work with human resource departments, yeah. Of course, this is a great cause that's going to help people, mm -hmm. but I got to believe that this looks great on a resume. Yes, absolutely. It does. And it, I think it's also a great conversation starter during a resume to talk about how you gave up your spring break to help somebody that's less fortunate yes. than you. Yes. That's not even in Atlanta or New York or wherever you may be from. Now, you're not... Um, you know, I don't want to give away your age because you look like a young man to me, but uh, I, I can't imagine that Bahama trip that you did with your mission trip was just in the last couple of years. How long ago was that? Oh, I graduated in 02. Okay. So, uh, so a little bit. I, I would, I'm just guessing that back then it wasn't the norm to take a spring break and go do a mission trip. You, you had to have been one of the first ones as this, as this uh, socially conscious America was, was coming to. As we know today, you were on the forefront of doing that. Did people think you were nuts, your friends from high school? What are you doing for spring break? Yeah, and so actually it's hilarious that you say that because my fraternity brothers went the same time. So we were on the same cruise ship, and my trip was $100. And they weren't on the mission trip? They no. just went as idiots? Yeah, they had the complete <laughs> spring break where they drank until they fell out. Yeah, and mine was really different. And so, I mean, it was hilarious to see them on the same ship, uh, and then, like, so mine was different. At night, we actually were able to go to the bars and areas like that, and so I would see them there. Uh, but it was a little different because ours was ran by campus ministry, so we weren't able to consume alcohol like they did. Okay. We weren't supposed to. Oh, okay. I got gotcha. you. Yes. I got gotcha. you. Yes. Uh, yeah. So they're, they're like, hey, meet us at the pool for beer pong. And, and you're like, no, I have work to do. Yes. And I, they probably felt a little guilty. Yeah, because they got to spend their entire day lounging around while I actually had to, like, work and rebuild homes. And it, it's something I'll never forget because the faces that you get to see of the families who are going to live in the house that you're helping to build mm -hmm. and how prideful they are in that experience is really phenomenal. Long story short, and the moral to this story is that years later, you're the assistant dean at Emory, mm -hmm. and some of those guys on that cruise ship are working in a warehouse somewhere. Uh well, some, but so, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, some are doing well, uh, and some are just still partying. Still partying. Yes. Okay. They just never got it. They never grew up. Yes. Well, we're uh, proud to have you on the show. He's Marlon Gibson, assistant dean at Emory University. Real quick before I let you go, this campus, it's like a movie set. I kind of, there were parts of it when I was walking through, it made me feel like I was in Disney World. It's so picturesque, like a theme park, yeah. clean. Yeah. Like any of our listeners that go to Disney World, the first thing you think of is there's not even a piece of gum on the, on the yeah. concrete. Yeah. It's, it's like that here. It's beautiful. What can you tell our listeners on the other side of the country that are just learning about Emory in, in the Atlanta area uh, beyond what we just said about how picturesquely beautiful it is? What else can you tell us about Emory? It's a great place to learn. Uh, we were just rated number 21. Uh, through U.S. World and Reports, and so it's a great environment. We have amazing students, and we really support our students. We really care for them, uh, and it really is a great place to be. Uh, our alums are proud of Emory. We're proud to call Emory home, and so are our students. One of my best friends from junior high school, who I lost touch with, with when he moved, mm -hmm. is an Emory, proud uh, Emory alum, and yeah. now I know why. 
So yeah. it's beautiful. Thanks for hosting the show, and uh, we wish you the best of luck with everything. And we want to do a follow-up report with you uh, after next spring break to find out how that mission trip went to Jamaica. Will you join us then? My pleasure. Absolutely. Okay, Marlon, thank you so much for coming on. Yes, thank you, Adam. Thanks for coming, Emory. Adam Ritz is a media personality and keynote speaker, interviewing amazing people from coast to coast. Follow him on Twitter at Adam Ritz or listen to him now on The Adam Ritz Show. We are on campus in Houston, Texas, a hot, steamy night at Rice University. I'm with uh, one of the basketball coaches, the strength coach. It's Don Brown. Hi, Don. How are you? I'm great. How about yourself, Adam? I'm doing fantastic. Rice University, the Rice Owls, those those mean-spirited, deadly owls, the most intimidating animal in the animal kingdom is the owl. Uh, do you know the history on the Rice Owls? Why is it an owl? I, I- I'm not, you know, I think it's because there's so much wisdom on campus. Oh, okay. Yeah. You got me. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, I, I kind of just found that out, or I just made it up. But it sounds good. Wisdom, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, every time you see an owl, there's a, a graduation hat on the owl. And, and glasses. So, yeah. yeah, I think we're owl, solid with that. The owl is the one that asks the question, how many licks to the middle of the Tootsie Pop, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. So the rice owls, and uh, you are... Uh, basketball operations. You're the strength coach, mm-hmm. and I want to bring you on the show to talk about something you do with your players called Team Impact. Tell us about Team Impact. So with Team Impact, we act- there's actually a company named Team Impact, and we, uh, we've we partnered up with them to, uh, I guess, adopt a little boy, so to speak, and we- what we're going to do is we're going to draft him to our team, and um, he's a six-year-old kid who is from uh, South America, and he is dealing with juvenile arthritis. Um, so he, he's he you know a six year old shouldn't be living life that way and unfortunately he has to so what we're looking to do is bring joy to his life by bringing him around players that he looks up to and keeping them around a sport that he enjoys playing. How did you meet this young man? Uh, well, as I said, fortunately through Team Impact they paired us up with okay. him and um, it, it, it 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 worked out really well because this kid he loves basketball and. Um, you know, he, he loves just being around guys. And unfortunately, because he has, you know, treatments on and off, he doesn't have any true friends he can hang out with. So these basketball players have really become his friends and his brothers. And that's a relationship we hope to continue for years on end. As far as uh, geographics, uh, we're in Houston. Did you say Guatemala or South America? South, South America. South America. Mm-hmm. So that's not exactly a, a short bus trip. I mean, how do you guys hook up? physically yeah so actually they they just they moved here i want to say a year ago um oh so him, yeah. him and his family do live in houston yes they, they just okay. moved here a year ago but they're originally from south america um and for they moved here for his treatments because this is the best place for him to receive his treatments so uh you know i, I think it's something small uh but it's going to have a major impact not only on that child but also on our players I've heard of uh, Team Impact. We've done reports on Team Impact. It's a fantastic organization. I'm going to guess their teamimpact.org if mm-hmm. our listeners want to check them out. Uh, and I'm going to assume that, Don, you're going to have um, this young man on your bench during mm-hmm. the season. He's going to be at your practices. He's going to be not just uh, an assistant towel boy, water boy. He, he's going to be on the court playing with you guys. And I'm sure that's all going to play out on your Facebook page, too. Without a doubt. Um, this is something that we want to promote. Uh, not not because we want to be seen as uh, giving charity to somebody, but because we think that doing something of this sort is something that should be celebrated and something that other people should look to do whenever they have an opportunity. 
Oh yeah, it's not uh, that. No one's looking for pats on the back. Mm-hmm. It's just such a fantastic, inspirational story that anybody. I mean, you know how Facebook works. If mm-hmm. you're just flipping through it and you see one of your you know acquaintances from high schools eating a steak and then you flip through and you see somebody else got a job and you're like it's just the minutia of the day and then all of a sudden if you follow rice owls basketball you'll see a very inspirational uh image story picture uh and it's all good it makes everybody feel good now you mentioned uh your teammates or i'm sorry i say teammates because you look like you could play (laughs) uh we'll get to where you played here in a second um but your team members they get something out of it too, and that's a great thing about community service for for student athletes. It helps the community, but it also it's a sly way of of getting your student athlete to get something out of it too. To know that there's something bigger than themselves. Um, it's a great team, I guess. Activity. The team is bigger than the self. Your community is also bigger than yourself. So talk a little bit about those teammates. Uh, working with this young man? Well, for us, what it comes down to is the appreciation and how we want guys to appreciate the fact that they are healthy. Although we may get upset at them and have them run sprints, that they have the ability to run those sprints while other people don't. So they need to appreciate the fact that they are healthy and they are, they're able to live life as they want to and not take, and they shouldn't take that for granted. All right, Don Brown is our guest. Let's have some fun now. We're in Houston. Uh, I didn't realize... I mean, I knew Rice University was in Houston, but I didn't realize it was in Houston. I mean, you can see the skyscrapers. It's right downtown. Um, you went to college where? I went to college at Bucknell University. Bucknell, kind of middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania. Yeah. You you last coached at VCU, which yeah. is, it was a metropolitan campus mm-hmm. in uh, Richmond, Virginia. Yeah, yeah. Um, but nothing like this. What's it like having a, a college uh, like this, this close to one of the biggest cities in America? It's it's. It's weirdly awesome. You're uh, <laughs> you're on a campus with grass and trees, and you would think if you if, if you didn't look up into the sky and didn't see the skyline, you would think that you're on a normal rural campus. And as soon as you step outside these hedges, you're downtown in Houston, and there's fun, there's nightlife, there's all ty- types of activity. So it's it's this is awesome compared to central Pennsylvania. No, no disrespect to Bucknell and the schools there, but this is an incredible uh, experience. It is weird to be standing on a college campus. I can see the football stadium on my left and I look to my right and there are skyscrapers lit up with blue neon light, almost like UFOs. I mean, it looks like there's aliens landing. Yeah. Um, so back to your career at Bucknell, and it's not Bucknell, it's Bucknell? Bucknell, yes. Bucknell, okay, because what do you do when people say Bucknell? Uh, you just kind of give them a look like, oh, yeah, well, maybe they just, they just don't know, and, you know, a little smug look. It's the same look people get <laughs> when you say Louisville instead right, of right. Louisville? Mm-hmm, okay, so mm-hmm. Bucknell, you played basketball there. You're about 6'7", six, 6'6"? Seven, 6'6", six, six? Six, six, yeah. Okay, when, tell me, uh, give me some uh, war stories, best game you yeah. ever had or the best memory you have dunking over somebody seven feet tall. <laughs> give me a big success story. Well, I'll say that in my time at Bucknell, we've had the opportunity to play in the NCAA tournament twice, and we won uh, our, We won two games. We, the, the first one we played was against Kansas in 2005, and we, we beat Kansas 2005. No yeah, in 2006, we beat Arkansas. Um, so right. yeah, just yeah, another year we beat Pittsburgh when they were ranked ninth in the country. So we we we've had success as a team, and it's been I mean that's an experience in itself. So, well, I got to tell you that's some character and integrity on your part because I asked you to brag about yourself, your best moment, and you said it was as a team winning in the tournament. So 
uh, hats off to you for not being so braggadocious. Um, and while I have you on the show and we're a, a public affairs show and we talk about community service, tell me a success story about um, some initiative you and your teammates did when you played at Bucknell. Yeah. So um, Lewisburg, they have numerous soup kitchens and um, numerous uh, community community centers for kids and I know um, our coach was big on that he wanted us to give back uh, to the kids who looked up to us and the uh, residents of Lewisburg who looked who looked at us as uh, you know uh, not just people of entertainment but people who were making a change in their community so um, you know each year we would volunteer uh, during Thanksgiving for uh, for the soup kitchen and probably at least two or three times a year we would, we would go and volunteer and do a clinic at uh, it was called the Donald Heater Center in Lewisburg and uh, it's something I believe they still do to this day um, because it was so impactful and still impactful. Fantastic to hear and Don Brown I can't thank you enough for coming on this show uh, to talk about community service making this planet a better place we'll look for the Facebook page with the Owls basketball team uh, Rice University Owls basketball search it on Facebook to follow how they work with Team Impact uh, this upcoming season um, I will tell you how the leaves change this fall at Bucknell because you're not going to see any of that down here in Houston it's so hot and see me uh, thanks again for coming on the show we wish you the best of luck I appreciate that. The Adam Ritz Show. Fellowship, leadership, and philanthropy. All right, my thanks to our guests today, Don Brown from Rice University. And today's show featured an interview with Charlie Kimball, IndyCar race driver, diagnosed as an adult with diabetes. And Charlie does incredible work with the JDRF. Learn more on Charlie's website, charliekimball.com. My thanks to our sponsor and underwriter, Vibonomics. Learn more at vibonomics.com on their work with charities and foundations and supporting initiatives across the globe with their servant leadership, as well as information about their marketing capabilities. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit adamritzshow.com.